Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Thank you guys for uh, singing out and praising the Lord. Our text today is Romans, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. God bless the reading of His Word. So maybe today, uh, maybe you'll go home, maybe later this week someone will come to you and they'll say, Hey, uh, how was worship this week? How was church? Like uh, my wife today, she's not feeling well. So she's home. I bet when I get home, she's going to say, Hey, Jeron, how was church today? And so I'm going to mess with her a little bit. Maybe you can do this too. How was church? Well, um, you mean how are the buildings? They were still standing. They're pretty clean. The second people... Those second service people are pretty, you know, they're not so clean, but still pretty clean. Uh, is, it, is that what she was asking? How, how is church? Is she, no, that's not what I'm asking. How is church? And so I'll, I'll say to her, um, well, you mean how are the people? The brothers and sisters? Oh, they were pretty good. There was this gal named Lois, like her dog was throwing up all, all last night. It wasn't pretty talking to her. And she's going to, no, she's going to roll her eyes and she goes, no, how is church? Come on, you know what I mean. Did you have a good experience at church? Did it go well? Did you enjoy it? Or uh, some people say, man, how was church today? It was the bomb. It was dope. I, I, I hope not. <laughs> or, or the most recent emanation of that is, it was fire heard that, haven't you? All through the years, it keeps changing people's evaluations of church, evaluations of church services. It was rad. It was awesome. It was not so awesome. <laughs> it was not so rad. Whatever. Uh, but but you, you see where that, that goes, don't you? Like, what are we doing here? What is this thing we call church? What is worship? Maybe we should come up with some different Questions. Like sometimes we run into people, hey, how's it going? How are you? How's life? Right? We, we, we say those kind of things to people we know. So maybe when we see each other as Christians, we should, say, we should say to each other, based on Romans 12, how's that living sacrifice coming? Hey, brother, how's the transformation of life coming? How's that living for God coming for you? How's that happening for you? Going good? That might be more appropriate to how we should think about what it means to worship. 
Today we're talking about worship, and today we're talking about what worshiping God should be in life, how we should live in life, what it means in a comprehensive, all-out way. Apostle Paul, chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And so uh, he comes to us, he's picking up a, a conversation that he's had for 11 chapters. I strongly urge you, brothers and sisters, I come to you, therefore, in view of all I've talked about for the past chapters. I've talked to you again and again and again by, about the mercies of God. Mercy, we can sum that up in a very simple way. The things that... Uh, that God didn't give us that we deserve. He's given us mercy after mercy. Uh, Eleven chapters, he, he's come, he's, he's told us again, you're forgiven. You're justified. You're adopted. You're accepted. You're received. You're loved. You're cared for. You've been given the Spirit of God. You have life, eternal life. If we want to get theological, we could say the last 11 chapters, Paul's talked about, you've been justified. You've been sanctified. You're being sanctified. You're being, you're being glorified. We could say the last 11 chapters, the mercies of God we were lost, but we were found. We were alienated from God. We were separated from God, but He reconciled us to Himself. We were dead in our sins and trespasses, but He gave us life. He regenerated us. We were in slavery to sin and death, but He redeemed us. He purchased us. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. All the things that He could have given to us, but He didn't. And all the things that we didn't deserve, but He gave us grace upon grace, love upon love, a future where we didn't have a future, hope where we didn't have a hope, a tomorrow when we didn't have a tomorrow. In view of all these things, He says, brothers, I, I appeal to you, sisters, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice. Yeah, he, he means what you, what you think he means there. Yeah, the Apostle Paul is saying what you think he means. He says, in view of what God has done for you, in view of all the ways that God has blessed you, in, in, in view of all the love that God has shown you, in, in view of the salvation he's given you, in view of all the things he didn't give you, condemnation, wrath, death, in view of all these things, Give Him your whole life. Serve Him with your whole life. All the parents are listening to the babies cry. <laughs> Anybody want to volunteer? We need volunteers for the nursery right now. Living sacrifice, nursery service. Kind of goes hand in hand. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God. So holy, right? A holy. The Old Testament sacrifices, unblemished sacrifices without fault. Bring your best to God. Bring your best to God, holy sacrifices. Pleasing to God. When those sacrifices were laid on the altar in the Old Testament, 
When they were laid on the altar, the, the, whether it be a bird, a bull, a, a, a lamb, they were laid on the altar and they were given in replacement of something, in replacement for someone's sin to give life. When they were laid on that altar and they were burnt up, the fragrant aroma of, of justice being done, rising to God, holy and pleasing to God. But a living sacrifice, we're to think of our life in Jesus Christ in view of what he's done as a living sacrifice, something that goes on. Not a one-time thing, not a one-time, God, I accept you, God, I give you my life. Not a one-time, I repent, I, I'm sorry for what I've done, I'm going to live now in a new, new life. But an ongoing sacrifice, an ongoing service. My whole life for him, for the rest of my days, for the rest of my future, for, my, for the rest of my life here on earth. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some of your translations say your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. Spiritual meaning logical, inward, rational. So this is a good translation, but your spiritual service, your reasonable service. Service, that word there is used in worship settings for ministry, for offering. This is your reasonable worship. Our reasonable worship We've talked about that the last several weeks. We've said it again and again in different ways, and let me just bring it before you again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, 7, verse 14 we'll start with. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Remember, we preached this last week. For the love of Christ controls us. What is a living sacrifice? What does it look like? Different terminology, different, different verbiage, but the same thing. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Paul's logic there, his reason there, his thinking there is he died for us. We shouldn't go on living for ourselves. We could go on living a self-centered life a self-glorifying self life, a, 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 a self, selfish life. He says, no, that's not how it adds up. Since he gave his life for me, I should respond with a life lived for him. The religions of the world, how do we think about the religions of the world? How, how, how does it add up? How does the math work out in the world? The religions of the world, uh, it's, it's this great encouragement for people to pursue the gods, pursue the God, pursue whatever out there. You go and you give them what they want. You go and you do the sacrifices they want. You go and, and you live in certain patterns, in certain ways. You do whatever it takes to jump through those hoops with the hopes that if you do everything right, if you find yourself presentable, if you appease the gods enough, if you do whatever they feel is appropriate, then maybe they'll bless you. Maybe they'll give you good crops. Maybe they'll give you a good business year or whatever. But Christianity, biblical Christianity is the opposite. Look at what God has done. Look at how God has served. Look at how God has laid down his life. Look at how he's forgiven. Look at how he's graced. Look at how he's been mercy upon mercy upon your life. And biblical Christianity says in view of all that, the reasonable response is worship. 
And we joked earlier in the service about worship being entertainment, and it's not. We joked earlier in the service about worship being something that the pastor is supposed to do to you, like entertain you, or the worship team is supposed to give to you excitement or move you emotionally. Biblical worship is responding to the grace of God. Biblical worship is saying, God, you've saved me, now here's my life. You've saved me, now I'm going to serve you in, in the business world. I'm going to serve you as a parent. I'm going to serve you as a grandparent. I'm going to serve you um, as a child to my parents. I'm going to serve you in school. I'm going to serve you in the community. I'm going to serve you wherever you send me. Here I am. All of me. That's worship as God desires. And, and again, it's all through the Bible. It's all through the scriptures. Uh, in, in, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, some of the historical literature, uh, you, you know, you read through there, you see it again and again. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, this is after God rescued Israel from Egypt. He saved them. He gave them His covenants. And now they're moving into the promised land. And through Moses, God says, says this to Israel. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God and walk in all His ways. What is a living sacrifice? To love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It goes on to say, and keep His commandments. Uh, a living sacrifice, there's so many different ways to talk about it. A giving of yourself. Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 said, now I'm going to live for Him. He died, He lived, and He died for me, now I'm going to live for Him. Moses says, man, now give Him your love. Give, give Him your life. Serve Him with all that you are. Now that He's rescued you from Egypt and given you His covenant. It's, it's all through the scriptures. If you look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 1, verse, verse 2. My Bible, the heading says the wickedness of Judah. <laughs> and, and so God brings his prophet Isaiah and he speaks to the Israelites, to the, the people of Jerusalem and Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. So it's a courtroom scene. It's a courtroom drama. He's calling the heavens and an earth and the earth as witnesses to what's been transpiring and to what's been happening. The Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they've rebelled against me. Are you seeing this heavens? Are you seeing this earth? The children I saved, the people I redeemed, the people I ransomed and rescued from Egypt, they're rebelling against me. They're treating me like trash. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know that does not know my people do not understand. So God's calling for justice against His people that they'd see, that they'd change, that they'd be transformed. Down in verse 10, what does a living sacrifice look like? What, is, what does it not look like? Hear the words of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. He's speaking of, of Jerusalem. He's speaking of Israel here. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. 
I saw a report uh, about religious giving this year, and, and a lot of people have kept consistent over COVID-19 journeys. They've kept consistent in their offerings and their givings, and that's a, that's, a, that's a praise God in one sense. But you realize that there's a lot of people that give sacrifices and give offerings because of that mentality. I've, if I give to God, He owes me something. If, if I give to God, He has to bless me. He has to take care of me. And God is saying to Israel that has this mentality, the mentality they have is I can do whatever I want. I can live however I want. I can do evil, but as long as I keep up the religion, I'm good to go with God. And God says, no, that makes me sick. That's disgusting in my sight. Verse 11, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. You can imagine all the people bringing their animal sacrifices again and again. During the week, they're ripping people, they're ripping people off. During the week, they're living in sexual morality. During the week, they're lying to their neighbors. During the week, they're stealing <laughs> and they're, they're gossiping and they're destroying one another, but they bring their sacrifice Again and again, and God says, that makes me sick. Stop it. When you come to appear before me, what is a living sacrifice? What does it look like? Who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Heaven and earth, are you witnessing what they're doing? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abom abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath. <laughs> the calling of convocations, so that the Sabbath, the core of the Jewish religion, God says, I hate it when you come in immorality and unrighteousness. I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen because your hands are full of blood. The kind of sacrifices God wants is you. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants you to live in response to Him, live in His ways, in His righteousness, in His holiness, in His justice, to live new lives in Jesus Christ. So to the Israelites, Moses or Isaiah had to say to them, wash yourselves, stop living this false religion, come and make yourself new lives, uh, live as sacrifices, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Uh, that, that living sacrifice, it's an ongoing lifestyle. It's like a whole life offering to God. God, I give you my life and, and help me be a man of God. Help me be righteous in all my dealings. Help me be just with all the people I, I interact with, all the people that come in my sphere. Let me love them in, in your name. That's the kind of living sacrifice God is looking for. Or even the wisdom literature, Proverbs 3 Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge me. Right? And I will make your path straight. 
A living sacrifice, living before God, living in the presence of God, trusting God with all that I am. <clears throat> My question to you, just in what we've looked at so far, is how's your worship these days? Not the consumer Christianity that says, how is church? Was it entertaining? Was it enjoyable? But How's your worship these days? Are you living your life before an audience of one? Are you living your life as a worshiper, as a servant of the one who redeemed you and saved you? Or are you a poser, a pretender, a faker, a pretender? A mere sacrifice that is not worth its price in blood because of its evil ways. This, uh, this, this mentality, this, this, this call, it's, it's remarkable because we, we live in a culture, of course, that constantly tells us that we're the center of things. We live in a culture that constantly tells us, how are you doing? Or ask us how we're doing. Uh, we live in a culture that's all, always marketing things to us and said, you need this, you need this, this will bless you, this will take care of you. We live in a culture that's constantly talking about us and, and, and making us the center of importance. But we know biblically, we know true Christianity, it's this response, this life of, Okay, God, you've given me everything. You've given me everything. You've given me eternity. You've blessed me and blessed me and blessed me. Mercies upon mercies and grace upon grace. Now, Lord, help me live for you. And so that's what Apostle Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 12. He says, after he looks at all the ways that God has blessed, the, the doctrine section, the truth section, now he comes to ethics. Now he comes to, this is how we live in response. If you guys are getting the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you guys are getting what God has done and how he saved us, if you're getting the mission of God in the world and the redeeming call of God in your life, he says, now this is how you live. You live as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. This is your reasonable worship. Okay, what is that? Come on, pastor, tell us what that means. Well, I don't have to because the Apostle Paul does in, in verse 2. How do I live as a, as a living sacrifice? Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind. And we'll just pause there a second. There's a negative and there's a positive. Uh, I come to Apostle Paul and I said, well, how do I live as a living sacrifice? Well, he says, don't be conformed to the world. Uh, don't be put in the pattern of this world. Don't, don't live in, in, in the path of this world. Don't, don't be molded into the world's way of living. We, we, we come to this, this, this scripture and it says, don't be conformed to the world. And, and when he talks about the world, he's talking about the, the eon, the age. And the Bible talks about this present age is fallen. Every Christian that's ever lived has lived in, in a fallen age, in a fallen world. Now, it's not that, that all the world's, you know, you know, is totally depraved. You know, the beautiful bull elk that we see in the fall, or the beautiful trout, the, the beautiful mountains we see. There's, there's goodness in the world. God has made his creation good. But he's talking about the fallen world that 
has rebelled against God. The fallen world that, that, that has said, God, I don't want any part of you. I'm going to live my own way. The world that, that doesn't hold on to the righteousness of God, doesn't hold on to God's standards, doesn't worship God, but makes images and idols in the, in the likeness of birds or reptiles and, and worships those things. God says this fallen world, this, this fallen age, it's going to be replaced one day. It's going to be transformed one day. When Jesus Christ comes back, there's a new age. The kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness will be replaced with the kingdom of light. But right now we live in a fallen age. And we do, we do not go along with it. As living sacrifices, we, we don't say, we don't say, well, everybody else does it, so I'm going to do it too, because we know that this age, the customs, the values, the traditions, the, uh, the normal ways of living, many of these things aren't surrendered to Jesus Christ. Every Christian since, uh, since this was written has lived in a fallen age where the customs of the day, I mean, you can, you can probably list off right now the different evils of our culture right now, the different ways that people are destroying themselves and destroying others. Uh, we, we think about patterns of living, and we think of teenagers immediately. Right? Uh, when my kids grew up in, in the house, I'd, I'd watch them. Sometimes they'd start dressing differently. And, and why are you dressing that, that way? And I knew, I knew what they were saying. I knew what they were thinking. I want to be accepted. I, I want to be loved. I, I want to be brought in to uh, uh, people that like me. I, I want to be part of what's popular. Okay? And, and, and so they, they would dress in certain ways. They, they'd act in certain ways. they talk in certain ways. Like, where'd you get that language? Well, everyone else is doing it. And we look at teenagers like, oh, teenagers. And then we look at ourselves. Oh, why did I buy that? Why did I dress the way that I do? Why do I talk the way that I do? It's because culture is constantly screaming at us, conform, become like this. Madison Avenue is saying, dress this way, buy this. The news is saying, this is what normal people look like. Conform, become like us. And God says, if you want to worship, you don't put yourself at the center, you don't make glorification of self the goal. Worship is about glorifying God and honoring Him. And so, uh, brothers and sisters, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you've turned to Christ, you've trusted Him, you've given Him your life, you're already part of the age to come. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. Apostle Paul there says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's grace and peace, nothing better than that who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. You see, when, when you gave, gave your life to Jesus, you were delivered. You were rescued. You were redeemed. You were transferred from the dominion of darkness, from the God of this age controlling you. You were transferred from that realm, that rule, that order, to the age to come. And Paul says in Ephesians, you're already seated with God, with Christ in the heavenly realms. You've been united with Christ in His death and His resurrection. And you're already living an eternal life. 
but we're between the times. We're just waiting for the king to come back. We're waiting for that age to come, the glorious age that Jesus will bring. But you've already been delivered from that. And, and so, there's, there, again, there's living sacrifice, what does it mean? It means not to conform. Negatively, it means not to conform to the world. Not to become like everybody else. And, and so there's, there's a number of verses that run down this path. James 4.4. 4. James 4.4. 4. And, and you, can, you can hear this coming out of Moses' lips, even though it comes out of James' lips. You adulterous people. You can hear this coming out of Isaiah's lips or the prophet's lips. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, world there, it's not the eon. It's, you know, it's cosmos. It's the, the, the world system of people that are in rebellion against God. Don't you know that, don't you know, brothers, that, that this friendship with the world, taking on everything that the world says is good and living in the ways they live, it's enmity with God, it's separation from God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, again, we, we don't hate people. We love people. We, we seek to, to befriend people. We seek to, to serve people. We seek to take care of people in Jesus' name. We're salt and light in this world. We're, we're called to go and serve and love. The people that are broken, people that are hurting, we, 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 we take care of them. We love them in Jesus' name. No matter what their background, no matter what their situation, no matter how they look at life, we're going to love them in Jesus' name. But we're not going to go down the same path they go down. We're not going to live by the values they live. We're not going to take on the character they have because that would be enmity with God. That would not be... The right path. And so you look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse, verse 15. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It doesn't mean conformity to the world. It doesn't mean living by their values and their standards. 1 John, chapter, uh, John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Again, I, I love fishing. I love, love being outdoors. It's not talking about those kind of things. It's talking about the people of the world that live in rebellion against God. The systems, their, their, their programs, their ungodly behaviors. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but from the world. And the world, this present age, this eon, is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. There's this strong call from the Apostle Paul and the rest of the Old Testament and New Testament, a living sacrifice. Say no to the culture that was in rebellion against God. Run away from it. Don't be impatterned by it. Don't be molded into its image. Don't live as it lives. It's not how to serve God. You'll, you'll die that way. That's death. That's ruin. That's woe in your life. So Paul says, is that a good enough explanation? Let me give you another one. He says uh, in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Nonconformity. Noncompliance to this world. Be countercultural against the evils of this age. But he says, let me give you an apos a positive example. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The metamorphosis that he calls us to is, is a, a new life. In Christ, you've been given a new life. We talked about that last week as well. You've been born again. 
You've been given a new life. You've been changed. You've been, you've been redeemed. You've been regenerated. Now he says, live it. What's God's goal for your life? What's God's agenda for your life in Jesus Christ? Uh, he talks about it earlier in the book. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, God, looking in history, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's uh, goal for you, Christian, he, his goal for you is not to make you... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's so many things like in the world's religions God, God wants me to be rich God wants me to be healthy all the time God wants me to be happy all the time God's goal for you is to make you like Jesus Christ meaning he wants to sow in you he wants to work in you he wants to transform you he wants to bring a metamorphosis in your life to where you have the character of God you have the values of Jesus you will act when you're changed, when you're transformed, when you're made new. You will act like Jesus would if he was walking in your shoes at your workplace. You would be Christ-like. That's his agenda. That's, that's his goal. And he allows a lot of things to happen in your life that maybe you wouldn't want. He allows trials and tribulations into your life. You say, you say what? God, God allows troubles? Yes, He does, because He wants you to transform. His goal for you is not to be like yourself as you are now. He wants you to become like Jesus. He saved you. When you came to Christ, it wasn't the finish line. Okay, when you walked the aisle, or maybe when you bowed your head, maybe when you gave your life to, to, to Christ in your room all by yourself, that wasn't the finish line, that was the starting line of your life in Christ, your life with God. From then on, He's been working in your life. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, meaning that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. God is working in your life to bring about your transformation. He is the heavy lifter. He's the one who's given you life. He's the one who's justified you. Now He's the one who's sanctifying you. He's the one who regenerated you. Now He's the one who's transforming you. And he uses trials and tribulations. If you're taking notes, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, or Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. He allows trials and tribulations, hardships to come in our life so that we'll be drawn to Him, so that we'll be transformed, so we'll have to flex our muscles. Resistance builds transformation. Resistance builds faith. He's working. He's transforming. But brothers and sisters, a living sacrifice, how does it happen in our life? He calls us to transformation, meaning we have a part to play. We don't just sit back and let God do everything. God is the main driver. God's the energy. God's the power. We're dependent on Him, but He says, be transformed. The exhortation is, take it into your hands. Not by yourself. You know that's not the case. You know that God is present and God is the power. We abide in Christ. The fruit comes through Him. But He says, be transformed. Be changed. And, and what, what, does that, what does that mean? To be a living sacrifice means that I say no to the world. I'm not going to become like that, but I make up my mind. I have this intention. After I'm saved, I realize that Christ saved me to become a disciple. Christ saved me to follow Him. Christ saved me to walk where He would walk. He saved me to become like Him morally and ethically, in character, in virtue, in values. 
And so I make up my decision. I make up my mind. Now that Christ, by His mercies, has saved me, by His grace upon grace has saved me, now I'm going to live a different way. I'm going to become the man that He wants me to be. I'm going to become the woman of God He wants me to be. An example of this exhortation is found throughout the New Testament and throughout uh, the Old Testament in, in some different verbiage, for sure. But the New Testament, a favorite passage of mine, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. The exhortation to be transformed. Put to death, therefore... That's a strong exhortation. That's a call upon our life. The things that are dominating your life right now that are not of Christ, put them to death. Stab them in the heart. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. His assumption is that once we come to Christ, once we have the Spirit indwelling, once we receive the power of God and we have the call of God in our life, once we understand the call to discipleship and transformation, that we'll stop at nothing to become new people. We will partner with God in His transformational, His sanctification work in our life. You were once leaving them. Oh, don't stay in them. Don't stay where you are. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being what? Being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not any Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Alamosans, Monavistans, Laharites. <laughs> there is neither barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in and in all. He's working in us to transform us into the image of the Creator who is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Put on then as God's chosen one. Remember in the communion we read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Many of us were weak. Many of us were powerless. Many of us were nobodies. Have you seen those bargain bins at, at, uh, at like Walmart or hardware stores? where they throw in the, the tools nobody wants, where they threw, throw in the, the 99 cent rack. I count myself as the tool that nobody wants. I count myself as God said, he looked at that rack of, of, of nothing. He said, I'm going to grab Jerron out of there and redeem him. I'm going to save him. And so he says, those of you who were like that before, put on as God's chosen ones. He chose me. I can't believe it. I, ca I can't believe it that he called my name all the wickedness and all the sins I've done. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put these things in your life. Bearing with one another. And, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And he goes on from there. We are called to participate in our transformation. It's a decision we make. It's a choice we make. We understand that when we came to Christ, when God came into our life, it was the starting line. And from this point on, for the rest of our life, we keep seeking transformation. We get evil out of our life. We don't conform to the world. And we transform. We go from what we are to what Christ wants us to be. And you say, well, pastor, tell me a little bit more. How do I do that? And I say, look at what Paul has said to do in Romans 
12. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the, by the renewal of your mind. Do you understand that your transformation, it starts with your thinking. Uh, this, this idea of becoming a living sacrifice, saying no to the world, I'm not going to live in the pattern, I'm not going to live in those evil ways, saying yes to God, I'm going to be transformed and become Christ-like, it starts with our thinking. Um, it starts by what we believe. It starts by how we look at the world, our worldview, our perspective, our, 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 our way of looking at life, how it is and how it's not. <clears throat> our beliefs change interiorly, and then our lifestyle changes. What we see is true, what we see is right, what we see is beautiful as we change those things. What we see is valuable and what's important as we change those things, then our behavior follows. Conforming ourselves to the image of God, to the likeness of Jesus, means starting to renew our mind. Starts with transformation of our minds. How does that happen? It happens through the Word of God. God does not give something to us. He does not command us to do things without providing for what we need. He's called us to be transformed, to be renewed, and do you realize He's given us uh, His Word to do that? Second uh, Timothy Chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Like this book, we, we, we say that this book came from God. He inspired it. He breathed it out. He worked through different men, different places, different times, using their colloquialisms, using their language, using their culture. He breathed it out. We have the words of God. We have the teachings of God. We have the instructions of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We want to be a living sacrifice. We want to become godly men. We want to become godly women. God says, be transformed. God says, renew your mind. How do we renew our minds? We change our beliefs. We change our thinking. And it says the Scripture is used for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We are changed and transformed. We're renewed by what we hear, by what we think, by what we listen to. God says, here's my word. Be changed by what you hear. Be changed by what you think. Be changed by, in what you believe by, by feasting on this book, by taking it in, by being transformed. Or, or you know, back in Colossians verse 16, let the word of Christ, the scriptures, the apostles' teachings, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. <clears throat> Living sacrifices means give your life, your whole life to God in service to God. How do you, how do you become that kind of person? You don't conform. You go nonconformity to the world's culture, the world's ways, the world's teachings. You say, no, the world in rebellion against God. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to be transformed, transformed into the image of Jesus, transformed this metamorphosis that I'm going to work at it. I'm going to depend on God. I'm going to pray to God. He's going to work in me. I'm going to work too. I'm going to get rid of the evil ways that are part of my life right now. I'm going to get rid of those. It's a long-term process, but I'm going to change. And, and I'm going to change by 
feasting on truth, listening to what God says again and again and again. He says what's right. I'm going to adjust my life to that. But it starts, starts on the inside with my thinking and my belief. <clears throat> and I don't, want to, I don't want to cheat you. I don't want to rip you off uh, on this passage. There's a final portion that you might find very interesting. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. The, the last part of, of verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. <laughs> okay, so God has a sovereign will that He doesn't often tell us about. There's, he's always working behind the scenes. He's given us His moral will. He's revealed to us in scriptures how to live. He's told, he's told us, oh man, what is good. He's told us how to live, how to walk, how to be in community, how to love our neighbors, etc., etc. That's the moral will. But we want to know the individual will of God that He has for our life. <laughs> And we come to this passage and we say, oh, man, if I do this and this, I'll know the, the, the will of God for my life. And, and it's like we so badly want to know, should I marry that person? Should I have kids? Should I take that new job? Should I move to that state rather than this state? I've got these two job offers. Which one should it be? God is an individual will for my life. I want to know it. <clears throat> what this is saying, uh, it's something different than that that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, as you seek this road of transformation, as you seek to renew your mind, as you seek to change your beliefs and your values and the way you live, <clears throat> you're put in a position to prove the will of God. In other words, scriptures say that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Many of you are maybe still skeptical of scripture because you've never tested it. You've never put it to the test. You've never proven it. You've never put it on the anvil and seen if it holds together. Paul is saying, you want to see if God's will is good? You got to live it. You want to see if God's will is acceptable, if it's if it's pleasing, if it's perfect, you got to live it. But if you want to live it, you'll find out that God's ways are all that He says they are, good, pleasing, and perfect. <clears throat> so I've got a question for you. How is church today? I hope you will say something like this. <clears throat> that preacher went a long time, but at church today I gave God my attention. How is church today? I, I hope you'll say, man, I, I gave God my song. I gave God my, my time. I gave God my offering. I, church was good today because I think God was worshipped. And, I, and I, you know, maybe as we see each other this week, we'll, we can say to one another, we won't say, hey, how's it going? We can say, how's that sacrifice coming? Or, or how, how's that transformed life coming? How's that worship coming in your life? That's a different question. May you be able to say, I'm not perfect and, I, and I, I'm, I'm in process, but by the grace of God, I'm giving God all I have. I'm putting all my chips on God. I'm resting all my life upon Him. I'm, I'm seeking Him with all my power and all my strength. And by His grace, <clears throat> today I'm different than I was yesterday.
And uh, brother, thanks for asking, but I think, uh, I think he's, I, th I think it's going well. I think God's being worshiped as he deserves. Please stand. Lord God Almighty, we, uh, we do thank you for your, your revelation, uh, the Word of God. We thank you for loving us and caring enough about us and, and, and calling us, Lord, uh, with the Word of God. But, Lord, we, uh, we ask that you would give us the grace we need to live the life that worships you. We ask, God, that you would give us the strength we need and the power we need and the energy we need, the, the focus we need. To, to live for you in, in our days, the few remaining days we have left, whether a few years or 20 years or whatever, we ask for the grace, Lord, to be your worshipers. <clears throat> Here's our life, Lord. Let it be consecrated to thee. And may you be worshipped through it. Send us out in the world, Lord, now and uh, guide our way and, and may you get all the glory and all the fame and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace and the power and the love of God for his glory. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.